Thank you, Jesus, that when you said it is finished, it is finished. Everything we need to live victoriously has been provided, and we rejoice in you this morning. I want you to see a video. I want you to see a video that'll kick off what I want to share with you, but I believe the Lord wants to share with you this morning. Um, so, if you guys got it, let's play it. What, honey? What do you mean, what? Otherwise, I know, hey. Okay, this is for you. This is from all Here, of us. Give me it, okay? All of us. Look at the picture first. Look at the thing first. Can I see it? Okay, I want you to read that out loud. Carter, this is our most recent picture of, of our family. All of us would love for you to be in the next picture and to be part of our family. Carter, would you like to be a kid part? And being a father, brother, with really <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, buddy? Yay! <laughs> We're gonna adopt you, Carter. That's good. You want to you want us to adopt you? That's a yes. Yay! Holy time. Did you guys catch that little boy being adopted by a family? And uh, then they, as a gift on Christmas, they out, he opened his gift and then he goes, "Do you want to be adopted?" And he goes, "Oh yes." It's a powerful story. I, as I, uh, my daughter shared with that, she works with uh, Heartland for Kids and um, works with the media there. And she shared about that with me this, this just a couple days ago. And I want you to know something. Every single one of you have been adopted when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been adopted by the only one, the great I am, the, the Father. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, 5 through 6, Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, for it was always in perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Does that blow anybody away in the room this morning? The same love he has for Jesus, he has for you. He's adopted you. Turn to somebody next to you or across the way and tell them, you've been adopted by the great I am. The great I am adopted you and me, Father. Awesome. We are part of his family. Does that blow anybody away this morning? And this unfolding plan, it says, brings him great pleasure. It says in 1 John chapter 4, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit brings things together. Pastor Dwight spoke about an encouragement of the Father's love in communion. 1 John 4, 18 says, we ourselves are eyewitnesses of what? able and willing to testify to the fact that the Father did send the Son to save the world. Everyone who acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God lives in Him, and He lives in God. So we have come to know and trust the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. 
and the man whose life is lived in love does, in fact, live in God, and God does, in fact, live in him. So our love for him grows more and more, filling us with complete confidence for the day when he shall, what, judge all men, for we realize that our life in this world is actually his life lived in us. Love contains no fear. I want you to say that with me this morning out loud. Love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear, for fear always contains some, some of the torture of feeling guilty. This means that the man who lives in fear has not yet had his love perfected. It says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. The basis of the knowledge that God is love is a freeing statement. God is love since he is eternal. His love is not subject to change. How many are glad that, you, that God's love, he's eternal, therefore what he does today, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so God will always be love. God is love. It's substantial. It is unchangeable. It is the foundation of everything we know about him because he reached out when we weren't worthy to be reached. He says, I'm reaching out for you. I'm adopting you. You're now going to be a part of my family. I loved you before you loved me. I, I loved you when you weren't lovable. When you were disgusting, I still loved you. I came after you. I gave you my only son for you. He died for you. That's how much I love you. And when you want to know how how much God loves you. Go back to the cross and look there because Jesus died. He, he said, the Bible says that Jesus, for the, for the joy set before him, was willing to pay the cost for you and for me. God is love. Human love is fickle. Have you noticed that? Human love is fickle. Without agape, which is, can only come from a relationship with God, you have real fickleness. Matter of fact, when you have Christ in your heart, you really actually, if you're in marriage, you actually really know how to love supernaturally. But without it, it's impossible. And it's fickle. Think of all the divorces explained by the statement, I don't love you anymore. Our loves, are, our loves are fickle. Our loves are also circumstantial. Circumstances beyond our control can dictate our experience of love. Have you noticed that? Soldiers who have gone to war and cannot come home for quite some time with their family. That's why we cry when we see the surprise reveals. You see these on the news, the surprise reveals of daddy coming home unexpectedly. There was a one where I remember where the girl throw, the girls throwing the, fir the first pitch at a ball game and the catcher happened to be dad. They surprised her. He whips off the deal. He whips off the catchers. How much he realizes it's daddy. He's home. I love those stories. I love those surprises. That's why we cry. That's why even the media cries, because they tear up. Newscasters tear up. Why? Because circumstances take loved ones away, and death separates us from experience of, of loving someone. But God's love is not fickle. It's not. He is love. You can't separate him from love. He is love. God's love is not circumstantial. We look into the, he looks into the future, and we, or we look in the future, and it seems dark, and it seems grim, and it seems without hope. But God looks into the same future, and everything is bright. It's known. It's controlled. It's beautiful. It's purposed. It's determined toward an ultimate and eternal goal for you and for me, to praise and to give him glory. 
It's a kind of love so different from our love is God's love. It is perfect love. Say with me, perfect. It is completed love. It is love in its fullness. It's divine perfection. It says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced, this is Paul speaking, and I'm using this as a basis this morning to launch you to a lifestyle. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God isn't going to change his mind about loving you. He hasn't changed his mind. Some of you are even thinking that. You came in this morning, you're thinking, he changed his mind about loving me. No, he hasn't. That is a lie. He hasn't changed his mind about you. Sometimes our emotions and our stuff and our gets in the way of actually hearing God saying, I love you. I love you. God gives us reassurance. I mentioned about the cross, his past love, and his promises, which is his future love. He reassures us by the cross and by the promises of God. It says in Romans 5, 8 and 8, 32, 5, 8 says this, but God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says in 32, 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's the promise of a future. Both of these look back to the cross, though, as assurance of God's love. If he loved us enough to die for us when he, we were his enemies, how much does he love you now? Think about it. He died for you. He loved you that much. How much do you think he might love you now? Adopted ones. Will he not continue to love us? Yes, he will. We just read it. Nothing can separate us. If we realize these actions of God flow from his absolute commitment to love us forever, not only do we not fear eternal punishment, because all fear of the, is of the future, we will not dread anything else either right now in this life. Why? Because my father is a good father and he loves me. He wants everything. He wants everything to be in alignment in my life. He wants, if I'm out of, if I'm out of alignment, his love brings me back into alignment. If I'm in left field and he wants me in right, his spirit guides me back to the right. He's a good father. Can we say it together? He's a good father. I love father. I love my father. So here's the thing. Perfect love casts out all fear. Cast it out. When you know him, his love becomes more and more. His love shows up perfected. It's us that come in alignment to that perfection. So in our battle with fear, we must look back to the cross as God's eternal statement of commitment of loving us, saving us, forgiving us, and giving us eternal life. I ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Think about that fear and bring to mind a mental picture of Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the fellow man. 
He came as a man, and he came completely as a man and completely as God. Jesus, the Son of God, the follow man. Jesus hanging there. Jesus bleeding. Jesus struggling. Jesus dying. Jesus crying out, it is finished. <laughs> God bleeding and dying and just save me. Now think about your boss, your final exam, upcoming surgery, whatever. Perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> the cross is love's perfection. It is Jesus' note to you and to me. I love you. <laughs> he gave himself for my good, for my joy, and my eternal salvation. You know, God's love, what it does, it produces fearlessness, a fearless confidence for our future. Fearless. Be anxious for nothing. It doesn't say be anxious for a few things. Those things that you don't want to give up, those emotions, those situations, that relationship, that job interview, that whatever. It says be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Yeah, but you don't know my family. It's been passed down to me through the years, and I've just got to worry just like Bob did. No, you don't. You need to drop it. Let, that, let, that, let you be that generation that doesn't have worry attached to it. You start a new generation of faith, believing, loving, encouragement. God is love. I'm loved. Therefore, I have nothing to fear. Yeah. Psalm 56, 3 says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. God wants us to live fearlessly. This message I actually entitled Fearless. Fearless. <laughs> Scripture calls us to a holy boldness. If it says in Romans 8.31, I love this one, if God is for us. And it actually translates this, since God is for us, who can be against us? Doesn't matter who's against you when God is for you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. The words Jesus said in Scripture more than any other was this, fear not. God shows up to these guys. He shows up to, he shows up to uh, Gideon. He shows up to all. He shows up to jo uh, Joshua. He shows up to these guys. He says, be bold, be strong, fear not. We read verses like Psalm 56, 3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. That's comforting, but what am I, what am I actually doing? I am trusting God. But, that, but what do I trust? I trust his promises to love me beyond any and every circumstance of my life. And the more I rest in God's perfect love for me, the less I'm afraid I will be. When I am afraid, I put my trust, Father, in you. No matter what, he will always love me. You know what fear does? Fear doubts God's intent to love. It actually causes us to doubt that God loves me. Fear doubts God's promises to love. Fear acts as if God isn't love or isn't there or isn't able to sustain me. That's what fear does. You can see why Jesus said more than any other thing, fear not. Everything that you hear, everything that you and I hear or receive is filtered in one of two ways. It's either filtered through fear or through the love of God. That's your two filters. Which one are you going to do? Which one are you allowing to be that cycle in your mind? We are transformed by the renewing of our mind when we stay in the mode of that transformation by realizing the goodness of God, remembering that God is love, and that we flow as an adopted, beautiful, adopted child of God. You, somebody might be saying this morning, adoption, yeah, I'm adopted. No, you got to understand, when you go to adopt someone, you choose them. He chose you. 
then you could go like this. I'm adopted. That little boy on that screen, he goes, yes, I want to be adopted. Absolutely, I want to be adopted by you. And that's our response to God. Absolutely, I'm so want to be adopted by you. And in that, there is no fear. None. Everything that you hear and receive into your life gets filtered by love or fear. Everything. Everything flows from response to all the issues around us or takes place uh, around us. You're either going to filter it through love or fear. There are two defining elements of a person's life. When people recognize what is happening around them, those who are motivated by love will pick up on the good news and will see the hand of God at work. And those that are controlled by or manipulated by fear will always recognize the works of the enemy. First Samuel chapter 17, we see Saul and his soldiers of Israel every morning would get up and get dressed for battle. And they went out shouting the war cry every morning and would also face the giant Goliath. And Satan has one objective, and that is to, to steal, kill, and destroy. We know this. The Word of God says that. And do you know that if you accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that the power of the cross worked on your behalf, that it stripped bare the authority of the devil? These guys get up ready to go out, and then they face a giant, and then they hide behind a rock. They get up to say, we're going to go do this today, and then the, the giant begins to speak out, and then all of a sudden they hide behind a rock and say, we can't do this. I want you to know something. The devil has no authority over your life. When you're a born-again child of God, Jesus says it is finished. It's been done. It's finished. And we are more than overcomers. Why? Because we flow from the victory already provided. We just flow from what he's already accomplished. And then, therefore, we, he, we just go pray, praise, and, and enforce with the praise and the word of God and promises of God. And what happens is God brings the grace. He gives the power. He lets the Spirit come and move on your behalf. And things shift. Why? Because it's already been won. The devil has no authority over you, none, but you can give him your authority. Through fear, whatever you come into agreement with, you are going to give him authority. Since the devil has no authority over you because of what Jesus did on the cross, so he has no authority unless man gives him that authority. But oftentimes, fear doesn't start off by a spirit, a spirit of fear. Sometimes it's just simple emotions. You see, having the emotion of fear is not a sin, but partnering with that emotion is. Let me say that again. Having the emotion of fear, that's not a sin. But when you partner with it, disregarding what God says in His Word, and you partner with fear, now that's a problem. When you partner with that emotion, now it's a problem. having the emotion fear. How many of you have come to realize that you can work yourself into fear and the devil is a thousand miles away? You can work yourself into fear. Fear often starts as an engine failure light that shows up in your life and that, that something needs to be really, something needs to be fixed. And you begin to feed into the emotion. You, before you know it, if you are underneath a cloud of fear, that brings along anxiety. And when you get under that, it actually invites the spirit realm to come along and to reinforce it. And now we have a much bigger battle on our hands than we have even started with. The world teaches us to cope. Just cope with this. How do you cope with it? And there are seminars that teach us how to cope with depression, sickness, and relationship breakdowns. But God, from what I understand, wants us to overcome. 
Once you believe in Christ, you have everything in Christ. It says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the, you can look this up, write it down. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice the tense of that verse indicates a past action. Blessed. It's a past action that has current value. So the, guess what? The enemy's job, the enemy's tactic for your life and for mine is this, to make you think you don't have what you already have. And you're not who God says you are. And when you believe his words, you will give in to fear. When you believe what God says about you and your situation, what happens? God says about you, you rise up in faith. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Amen. Fearless. Fearless. That's who you should be. Fearless. Doesn't matter. God is on my side. He's telling me to go into a situation that seems like I've never... I, if you're in this long enough, you're in this long enough, you know what's going to happen, Becca? God's going to ask you something you've never done. He will ask you to do something you've never done before. You don't even really feel comfortable with it. Matter of fact, in the past, you thought, if I do that, well, I can't do that. <laughs> Some, and, and guess what happens? That's where God wants you because why? You're in total reliance upon him, trusting him, and in his love for you, if he asks you to do it, he's going to give you the grace to sustain you to do it. But it won't be released until you make an action towards the step, towards the giant you're facing. The grace will be imparted. God will never lead you where his grace will not follow you. There's no reason for fear, ever when God is on your side. Since God is for me, who can be against me? I don't know what God has for you to do, but I guarantee you somewhere along the way, it's going to make you uncomfortable. Two weeks ago, I talked about being in God's waiting room. You know why you wait in God's waiting room? Because he forms in you strength to step out in faith in the waiting room is built trust David waited in the waiting room David was that no man's shepherd that when, when Samuel shows up to anoint the king God says I want you to go and I want you to go to this man's house and he has a bunch of sons there's a king there, the next king of Israel. He shows up, and he goes through all the sons. And he's like, and he, because the first one he goes up to, he's like, this guy's like burly. He's like probably a go-to-it guy. He's, he's probably taller than all the rest and, and just has it going on. And, and he go, Samuel goes to anoint him. You must be the king. And and then God finally, gets, after they've gone through a whole bunch of them, and it's almost humorous, and, and, it, and it's like God says, wait, whoa, whoa. Man looks at appearance, but I look at heart. Man looks at how things appear. I look at what's going on on the inside. And we know what the story is, because here's David. He's out in the middle of the field. The next king is come, the Samuel's come, the prophets come to anoint the king. And, and he's like, no, I'm staying on. Man, I, I've got my sheep. And besides, I'm just, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. I bless your name. Bring. He's out there with his harp, worshiping, praising him. God, you're so good. And he was in his assignment and he's comfortable there. And he just worshiping him, adoring him. 
By the way, Samuel's in the house anointing the next king, probably one of your brothers. Samuel says, isn't there anybody else? Oh, there's that runt of a litter out tending the sheep. Surely he's not our next king. You see, David had a lot of giants before he faced a giant. You guys hearing me this morning? You're going to face a lot of giants. Some of them is a people's opinion. Some of it is all kinds of stuff that comes to you in the form. They come like giants. I contend and I propose to you that David, he won a lot of battles with giants because even when he showed up with lunch for his brothers, they says, they, his older brother mocked him and he says, well, what have I done now? Remember? David says, what have I done now? In other words, he's used to hearing the banter from his brothers. And that can cause fear to come into your life to where you don't want to proceed. I'm just going to just go, I, I'm not even, I, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just out of here. I'm going back. No, you know what? He goes, look, you guys are hiding behind rocks. And God, he, in this time where he's just spending time with the Lord, anointed time with God, guess what happens? He comes and he shows up and he's got the fire of God. He's like, who is this unchastised Philistine? I don't care how big he is. My God's bigger than that dude. And I, we will take him out because God is on our side. You guys, what are you doing? Hide behind rocks. God's bigger than that guy. He had a different perspective. God, he had spent time. He says, I got, he carried the heart of God. He says, that, that is a man. God says, that is a man after my own heart. When you follow and you walk in the heart of God, guess what happens? You walk fearlessly. Fearlessly. There's no fear. David saw the giant. He's like, yeah. He wasn't cocky, but he knew the God inside him could take care of this guy. When you face giants, they're not meant for your demise. They're meant for your victory. And if you're facing one, they, and you're a child of God, you, God is planning for you to have a victory over that giant and not that giant to have victory over you. Does God lead the righteous? Does he order their steps? Yes, he does. The word of God says it. Trust him then with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's important because when you walk and you find yourself, I'm facing a giant. I thought I'm in the will of God, and I mentioned this. You think you're in the will of God. You are. Don't doubt it. Don't give in to fear, and don't retreat and hide behind a rock. Why? Because God is for you. If that person, if that battle in front of you shows up in your promised land, it's not for your defeat. It's for your victory. And there's no reason to fear, fear ever. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. I think I'll just sit here. This feels really good. I just... Oh, man. I traveled 2,350 miles in the last two weeks by car, sat in 30-degree weather, freeze my face off at 25 feet up in a tree. It's really good to see you this morning. I love adventure. And when you are God, when you're a child of God, you'll go on an adventure. But it's without fear. When fear shows up, you need to check the emotion light. You need to check, am I following the word of God light? Because our emotions can run pretty high when we face circumstances that seem impossible. Let me, let me just pick up the story with David, and I'm going to close. Anybody getting anything out of this this morning? All right. Because look, guys, that, that neighbor that sticks his head up and banters back at you, that 
situation at work, that problem person, that problem boss, that situation, maybe that dream, that the vision that you have that you thought came from God, but it seems like it's not moving, it's not shaking, it's, it seems dead, it's not dead. God's, you might be in God's waiting room. Whatever it is, there's no reason to fear because God, if you're in left field and you're like, I'm afraid, I'm not, I miss God. Quit being afraid about that. Sit, get in front of him, get in his face, and God will get you where you need to be because he orders, he causes all things, even our mistakes, to work together for the good to those who are in Christ Jesus. So quit being afraid. Quit being fearful. Quit being anxious. It's a waste of time. Total waste of time. You're a child of God. You're adopted in royalty. All right, I said I was going to close on something. Yeah. David, I I just want to encourage you, when you come and face your giant, don't retreat in fear, but show up with a shout. I said show up with a shout. David shouted to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. He says, you come to me. He's talking to Goliath. He's talking to his giant. You come to me with sword and javelin. But I want you to hear the depth of the knowledge that he had about his God. You come to me with that. But I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Who? The God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled today, the Lord, he didn't say I, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. These, he's the runt of the litter. He's the runt of the litter. The big burly guys who Samuel goes, they must be the one. They're their next king. They look like Saul. They're hiding behind a rock. David shows up. Who is this guy? Go back to that verse. Don't take it down. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. It's time that we recognize who we are, and we don't face this life as hiding behind rocks, Christians who I don't know, maybe God will. No, God is for you. It's time to take territory. It's time to move out. It's time to get past the pettiness or the silliness or the emotionalness or whatever it is. And it's time to move out and do something for God. Fearless. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and the one who saves me, so why should I fear anyone? The Lord protects my life, so why should I be afraid? This is a Psalm of David. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Listen, if we keep our mouths shut during the hours of our intimidation, we will be defeated. It is not a time for explanation. It's a time for declaration. I want you to know something. God never loses a battle, and he's on your side. I'm going to just close with this one story. Is that okay? Everybody good? Lunch will wait. Some of us need to fast anyways. Okay, so. Bill Hybels wrote this story. He said, when I was first learning about how to sail, he, he got out and even in the Lake Michigan. And he would often say, uh, he was in his dad's sailboat, and he would often say to me, he said, and when he was first learning, go ahead and take the boat out, but take a friend with you. 
and it's a 42-foot sailboat. Body of water the size of the Lake Michigan is a big responsibility taking that out, he said. But always up for the challenge, he takes it out. And, but I'd find a junior high friend to accompany me, Bill said, and we'd, we'd sail past the breakwater, host the sails, hoist the sails, and head out to the open water. But as soon as I'd see a cloud formation coming out our way, and what seemed to be piping up uh, a, a storm maybe or high winds starting to pick up, I'd head back because I'd flinch and I'd, I would, you know, the responsibility of this young and my little bit of lack of experience compared to others. And, and he said, I'd head back towards shore, take the sails down and regain my normal breathing pattern because it'd be skipping and it would be taking, it would be like, I gotta get this back. But there's something, oftentimes there was something else, though. He looked forward to the times when he went with Dad because Dad had sailed all around the world. He had been through five hurricanes. When he was sailing, Dad was this experienced a professional, and he could go out in anything, and, and he would be with them, and it's like, I'm with Dad, and everything's cool, and let's go. And he would even look forward to those bigger storms and those bigger waves, and he, he wouldn't be palpitating. He'd be confident, and he and Dad would go out there, and they would take on the waves. So it is with us and God. You see, when God is with you, you're not afraid to pull the sailboat out of the slip. You're not afraid to let the boat go out and out to sea to the follow the course and to the plan he has for you. And even when the stormy seas come and they hit you and you face your greatest fears, you have confidence. Got confidence. Knowing. Knowing that God is with me. He's on board with me to meet the storms and the fear of the unknown. Let's stand together this morning. We're to be focused on His presence. When the Lord says, do not fear, He's never saying it to expose what we're doing wrong, but it's because it's not a, sh it's not a shame deal what God does. When He says, do not fear, He's opening up to us that within our reach is the grace to be victorious over fear. When God gives us commands, He's empowering us to go and do what we couldn't previously do. His grace meets us there. Can you say with me, fearless? Because God is with me. Can you say it? Because God is with me. I can be fearless. My sister, I am so, I, when I was gone, I heard about your accident. I'm so glad that you're still here. I heard about the two broken arms. There they are. Just want to encourage both of you. The enemy doesn't like the journey that you've chosen for God. I want to encourage you to be fearless moving forward. You're, you're, you're stepping into a season of, though it's kind of funny because it might even be funny to you, you're young at heart, but you're getting older. But yet, God is bringing provision for you. He's bringing provision for you. Not only is it coming financially, but watch, it's going to come more and more in the spirit. And there's I just sense a, an alignment's happening that God's going to do so that your ministry that you love to do is going to be able to um, flourish and take root. And then I even see, I see mentorship. I see you mentoring those who also have that passion that you carry, but you're going to mentor them and be a, a father and a mother to that younger generation to carry the torch. It's a beautiful track, and I just want to encourage you to not give in to fear. And uh, I just sense the angels around you, though, fortifying you and protecting you. 
and what the enemy tried for your destruction, and sometimes even our own mistakes, oops, God's going to bring it out for good. So I just want to encourage you in that. Amen. Um, I want us to sing this song. In it is a declaration. In it is a declaration that really fits to everything we're talking about today. And um, after that, prayer team will be here to pray. But this song that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Anybody ready to make a declaration? This is, this is just so on point. I believe as we do this, as you let this really get internalized into your heart this morning, there's some assignments God's releasing. It's going to require you to step out and face some giants, but God will be with you. So do not be afraid. God is with you. Fearless. Fearless. Praise God. Will you unravel me with the melody you surround me with a song <laughs> of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone <laughs> and I'm no Chosen me and the past called me. 
church, I declare over you a new season of fearlessness. I will take what God wants me to take. I will step where he wants me to step. I will do what he wants me to do. I will be what he wants me to be. And I will not fear. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just close your eyes right as we leave and just soak in the embrace of your father. I can feel him. Hear him. I love you. Spirit come and move in every life today that doubts has doubt of your love for them. May they right now be overwhelmed by the love of the Father. In Jesus' name. And from this day forward, be fearless. So it's good to say amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. I'm going to ask our team to come. Altars are open. You need prayer. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome week. Let's bring the testimonies back. Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. Next Sunday night, we have prayer as well. And, uh, so God bless you as you go. Amen.